shout out to the halftime basketball community from E.Z. Vendor, former Syracuse basketball player. Yo, Mitch, what's up, man? It's Craig Smith, the Rhino, former NBA player and BC legend. Losing the ball, Smith has it. Hudson, bounce pass to Craig Smith! Puts it down! Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and take, keep doing your thing. Because Big Baller Brand is in the building. And you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing. And we going to do our thing. Because Big Baller's got to stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big bonus out, baby. And I holla. Welcome into another edition of the Halftime Community Podcast. Let's jump straight into it. You know, there's been a lot of injuries around the league. Poor one out for Jamal Murray with the ACL. Poor one out for LaMarcus Aldrich, a regular heartbeat, had to retire early. Outside of that, no news is good news in the NBA. They are who we thought they were. The contenders are who we thought they were. The pretenders are who we thought they were. We're just really winding down the season, getting to those playing games, seeing who's gonna step up in the playoffs and who's gonna be healthy for the playoffs. Steph Curry is doing Steph Curry things in Oakland for the Warriors. If you haven't been paying attention, you better take notice now. The Boston Celtics, They've looked like they've turned things around as well. They're 10 and three since the Daniel Tice trade. Uh, I'm gonna spare you guys the full story, but if you wanna check out my Daniel Tice theory and why I think that turned around the Celtics season, you should definitely check that out on the app. So I'm gonna spare you the drum roll and I'm gonna get straight into it. We've got a special guest with us this week. We've got Justin from the halftime team. He hopped on with me and we talked everything basketball, everything Timberwolves. I spared him the Jimmy Butler in a Rolex saga, but we talk everything Timberwolves, so check it out right now. Curry spins. Step back, trying to draw another foul, and it goes in! Oh, Steph Curry with a circus shot and the foul! Well, so everybody, uh, I've got a special guest with me here today. I'm sure you all already know him. You've interacted with him on the app. His name is Justin, at Justin on the app. Um, He is a member of the Halftime Creator Group. So Justin, with that being said, I think we're coming up, or maybe we already passed the one-year anniversary of Halftime being live. Is that true? Uh, Just about. It was about June or July we started rolling out uh, in beta. I know you... Metal World Peace Pipe yourself, you were one of the initial users, so we can't thank you enough for being active. And, you know, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. It's incredible seeing where things are now compared to where they, where they were a year ago. And, you know, we have so many more things on the horizon. I can't wait to see what the next year brings. Yeah, it's on that note, um, I've definitely noticed, I haven't been as active on there. I've been pretty busy with work and everything, but I, I've, I've checked it out. I haven't been posting as much, but I've been checking out the content, reading other people's posts and stuff. I can definitely tell the quality of the content has gone up so much in the past couple months. We've added a lot of new users, but all those users are kind of, they're fitting in, so to speak, not fitting out like, uh, what did LeBron subtweet that one time? Fit in, not fit out. Um, yeah, Yeah, so they are definitely fitting in. Everybody's got great content coming out. I think a great feature that was added was that post strength. So if you go on there and you type up a one sentence post, 
you know, you used to see those a lot at the very beginning. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just, you know, it doesn't create much conversation. Now we've got that post strength feature and people are really pushing to get featured on the app. For sure. Yeah. It's nice to see that that was like a good incentive for people. Now that was a tough part in the beginning. It was like, how do we really get people to post? How do we make them, you know, want to actually create good content? But now as we can continue to grow and grow, continuing to just raise the bar on content quality is always a, you know, a main priority. Yeah. But, uh, I can it's cool to have that. It's cool to have a platform where like you can be a content creator already from a different platform and come in and just, you know, start posting whatever you want, but also you can start from scratch and you can just start creating content and get engagement quickly and just do whatever you want. So it's been, yeah, you, know, it's been you, you can really take it wherever you want to go. Um, on that note, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but is there anything we can preview looking forward to on the app, anything on the horizon? Um, we'll definitely have some special stuff coming up during the off season because, you know, after the playoffs, it's going to go right into, you know, the Olympics, uh, the draft, obviously, free agency. So this is going to be kind of a weird off season, but it's going to be fun to see how, you know, things, we transition into this off season. But as far as features, we have a couple of big ones coming pretty soon. I can't really reveal any details yet, but they're going to be really exciting. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see how the community reacts to them. It seems like they're really enjoying the trivia and some of the newer things we put out. But, yeah, we got some even bigger stuff coming soon. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've noticed the trivia and I've gotten my ass handed to me on the past two trivias. Um, I, I do the trivia and then I check where I'm at in the leaderboard. I'm always towards the bottom. So everybody is uh, either Googling or they're owning me on it. I'm not sure. Something's up there. But yeah, I appreciate that. We appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on. Let's get straight into the T-Wolves. You're, you're a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan. You, you're a fan of the NBA in general, but I want to talk some T-Wolves. I think they're a really interesting team. Um, Anthony Edwards, what's your scouting report on him so far? I was skeptical initially. You know, when we won the lottery, I was going back and forth. Initially, I wanted Lamelo. I think a lot of fans did, but it's pretty hard not to – that kid won me, won me over pretty quickly. It's pretty hard to not love him at this point. And obviously, there's things he needs to work on. But he seems very coachable. Like, the foundation's there. He has the skill. Like, the – the D Wade comparison was there before the draft and he has that skill. He can get, he can get to the rim whenever he wants. And early on, it was like, he was trying to dunk on everybody, but you can tell he's kind of learned as the season's gone on. The efficiency obviously still needs to improve. He still has lapses defensively, but you kind of expect that with a 19 year old, but all the making of a, super, a superstar are there and it's hard not to buy into him. So I'm really excited to see, you know, now that we have a real coach and he seems like he's playing a lot better with cat. Um, he seems very coachable. He just seems like a good kid. And I think he's all the potential in the world. So I'm really excited to see where the next couple of years go with him. Yeah, it was interesting before the draft. The big rap on him was, you know, he played football and football was his first love and he doesn't really enjoy basketball. He just plays it because he's good at it. I, I think that was a little, you know, taken out of context. He, he's just good at sports. He's just an athlete. And, you know, just because he loves football doesn't mean he can't love basketball as well. So I think, yeah, that was definitely true. And just, you know, just seeing him grow, the fact that he wasn't a bust, you know, doesn't leave the season as a complete loss for the Timberwolves. Yeah, even though they're losing, like seeing him develop is the bright spot. And I agree, those quotes were definitely taken out of context. I think now that, you know, he has a quote every night that's kind of ridiculous. I think that's just part of his, one of his most endearing qualities. He just says stuff and he doesn't give it the typical media interview. So I don't, yeah. I do think I do believe he thinks he could have played in the NFL, and I like that confidence in him. Yeah, you never know. He might uh, pull the reverse LeBron James. Everybody says LeBron could have been a tight end, all-pro tight end. Maybe Anthony Edwards uh, transitions over to football, does a Bo Jackson at some point. 
Um, you mentioned the coaching staff. Shake up at the middle of the season. Ryan Saunders, they gave him a chance. I think they gave him a fair chance in Minnesota. It just, it just didn't work out there. You want it to work out because he's Flip Saunders' kid, of course, but it just didn't work out. They brought in Chris Finch. Record's not great, but, I mean, what can you expect? He's coming into a tire fire in the middle of the season. What have you seen out of Chris Finch coaching-wise so far? Uh, the in-game adjustments, I think, were the biggest thing I noticed right away. That was kind of the problem, I think, early on in the season was the Timberwolves would be good for parts of the game, and then they would just get killed. They'd blow big leads all the time. The last five minutes of the game, they would run. The main lineup that would kill them was D'Lo and Rubio together at point guard. And it was just, they ran a lot of, like, nonsensical lineups. The offense didn't really have any flow to it. And I think it was pretty quick once Finch came along that, you know, guys kind of knew where their their place was. Like, the the role players, like Josh Okoge looks better. Jaden McDaniels looks a lot more comfortable. Uh, just different guys like that that just seem like they really know where they fit in at this point. And early on, it felt like every player on the team was actively getting worse this season, which didn't make a ton of sense. And now Finch is kind of bringing it out of all of them. Like, even Wancho is playing a little bit better. Edwards has been obviously much better. Um, even D'Lo, since he's come back, he's been playing a little off the ball. That was the kind of the big worry. Like, once he gets healthy, how is that going to work? But now it looks like he's playing off the ball a little more, kind of like he did with the Warriors. And things just kind of make a little more sense. So it's pretty impressive that he's been able to do that so quickly. Obviously, they're not winning a ton. But they are winning a little bit more. I think they're like 7-13 and 13 since the All-Star break, something like that. But, yeah, it makes you, you know, it makes you hopeful for the next few years. I think they can really kind of build something here now that things make a little more sense. Yeah, for sure. Cat and D'Lo, I think people didn't really realize, but at the beginning of the season, they didn't really play together at all. And now they're actually getting to play together. So you're kind of seeing how the team actually looks with everybody on the court. And it definitely looks better. You know, they're not a great team by any standards, but you can see a little light at the end of the tunnel. Would you move forward with the core of Cat, D'Lo? Uh, you mentioned Jaden McDaniels. Naz Reed has given them a little bit of something. Malik Beasley, um, Jarrett Culver, whatever's left to him. Would you move forward with that? I'd move forward with most of it. I think Cat, D'Lo, and Edwards, I think you have to – you know, build around that, at least for now. It's still so early. We don't know how they're going to work together. But I think, you know, it's been at least promising enough. Beasley's the one I'm not quite sure how he fits in because we haven't obviously seen him along with those three at the same time, really. So I'm curious to see how that works out. I think they really are committing to McDaniels, too. I think on paper he makes a lot of sense as, you know, a 3 and D type of, you know, three or four men. But it'll be interesting to see over the offseason. I know the rumor that came out around the trade deadline was they really wanted to push Beasley for, like, John Collins. So I think I wonder if that's something they would revisit in the offseason. But Beasley's the one I kind of question. How is he going to fit in? Do they want to sell high on him now that he's his contract, I guess, in the offseason kind of looked kind of rough? He got a lot of criticism, you know, three years or four years, 60 million, three years, 60 million, whatever he got. You know, there were a lot of rumors that that was too too much money for him. But I think now, you know, he's proven he's a good shooter. He's a good scorer. That might actually be a bargain at this point. So it might be something they look to, you know, maybe they move on from him. Maybe if they win the lottery, you know, if Cunningham comes into the picture, how does that work? Then I think you might have one too many guys. Maybe you got to move Beasley for another big, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the next steps they take. But I do think you move forward with Cat D'Lo and Edwards and kind of work off of that. Yeah, it's it's crazy how fast things move in the NBA. We saw those rumors that the Timberwolves were hot and heavy over John Collins uh, when it, the Hawks were sliding a little bit. And now the Hawks are playing really well together. So who knows if they're looking to keep him in town or not. Um, in the offseason. We'll see how the playoffs shake out. 
if they end up, you know, getting swept in the first round, maybe it doesn't really matter. And they might do a sign and trade for someone like Beasley, like you mentioned earlier. Um, with that being said, a lot of guards, Ricky Rubio's in the picture still. He came back to Minnesota. Um, it kind of reminds you, I don't want to bring you down a bad road here, but Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio, when they started drafting all those guards, uh, rehash that a little bit. I know people like to do revisionist history over, you know, you didn't draft Steph Curry, you drafted Ricky Rubio, then you drafted Johnny Flynn, the next pick, and you passed on Steph Curry. Rehash that a little bit for me. So this always gets brought up, obviously, but my take is that, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. Johnny Rubio over Steph Curry at the time was totally understandable. There were rumors that he was going as high as three that year. But, you know, Flynn, obviously, over Curry is kind of rough because I think on paper, Rubio and Steph Curry would have made a ton of sense. But Johnny Flynn, also, people forget his rookie year, he was actually pretty solid. And he was exciting. And he had one hip injury, kind of like Isaiah Thomas had, that, you know, really kind of took everything away from him. But, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, that pick was pretty indefensible. But uh, it's not something, you know, Timberwolves fans have had, obviously know that they've, they've had a ton of draft screw-ups. <laughs> You know, we took Wes Johnson over to Marcus Cousins. We were all excited about Derek Williams. You know, it's just one after another. Jared Culver already looks like a bust. I'm not too high on him at this point. But uh, what can you do? Anthony Edwards is a lot of fun, so we just kind of got to embrace that. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, I mean, every team in the NBA has passed up on somebody. Nikola Jokic was, what, the 42nd pick in the second round. So every team had a shot at him, and it's not like other teams don't pass him up. And I remember Ricky Rubio. It kind of reminds me of Luka Doncic when he was first coming out because he was so young. He was the youngest player to ever play in uh, Barca for the um, Spain national team, all those sorts of things. He was a really young playing international basketball. So there was a, a bit of, um, you know, precedent there as far as Ricky Rubio going on the top three. And then you mentioned Johnny Flynn. I love Johnny Flynn at Syracuse. He was he was awesome. He was small, but he was a huge athlete. And like you mentioned, he just had a horrific injury and he he was never the same and then you mentioned Jarrett Culver you know I looked at the numbers I haven't watched a ton of Timberwolves this year outside of a few games here and there what have you seen out of him can you re is it a reclamation project at all or is it just kind of whatever you get at this point there's definitely something there I think he needs a fresh start honestly but I think he doesn't know he's not super confident in what he brings to the court and now he's like completely out of the rotation he's not really getting the minutes to kind of show what he can do. Like the end of last year, the second half, he actually looked much better. I think you need to put the ball in his hands. You need to give him free reign a little bit, but there's not really the opportunity to do that because they have to do that with Edwards now. But yeah, his finishing at the rim is kind of questionable. He worked on his jumper a lot over the offseason, but at times it still looks kind of broken. He just doesn't look supremely confident. He brings energy defensively. Um, he's a solid rebounder. He's very capable. He just needs, I think, I think he needs a fresh start and a fresh opportunity somewhere. So I'd be curious to see where he goes this offseason because I'm not totally sure they're going to, you know, keep him in town, especially if they get, you know, some kind of draft lottery luck and bring in another big rookie. Yeah, for sure. And I could see something. We mentioned that John Collins may be possible sign in the trade in the offseason. Maybe he gets thrown into that and they, you know, there's some value there because they think they can reclaim him. Or maybe they just straight swap him up for somebody like Cam Reddish that has had similar he's not struggled as much as Culver but he hasn't quite broken out yet either so maybe it's just a change of scenery for some young guys like that and then on the good side of the Timberwolves what are your what are some of your favorite nostalgic T-Wolves I imagine 
Kevin Garnett, of course, has got to be up there. But who are some of those other nostalgic names you think of when you think of watching Timberwolves basketball? I have a big Kevin Love framed picture above my office here of a buzzer beater he hit when I was in college uh, against the Clippers. At the time, that was when Kev- that was like peak Kevin Love, you know, getting 55 double doubles in a row. Um, there's the debates between my college buddies and I that, you know, I thought he was a superstar. Other people thought he wasn't. And then we saw, saw him just hit this huge buzzer beater against the Clippers. That was one of my favorite moments. Obviously, also, uh, Derek Williams, I think, was the toughest bust for me because <laughs> uh, I went to U of A, Arizona. Around the same time he did, we kind of wanted him to be great, but, you know, it didn't. unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, the favorite KG moment for me, obviously, was that 2004 playoff series. I'm, like, mm-hmm. just young enough to remember it. Um, that series against the Kings when he kind of took over in Game 7 on his birthday, just – put up like an absurd, like 30, 27 stat line, something crazy like that. Um, those are kind of the big moments for me. That was, that still is, you know, it's tough to top. I wish the Jimmy Butler era went better. Could have brought some more moments like that, but it didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd say like the Kevin Love era was probably the best, you know, brought the fondest memories since KG. So hopefully Edwards can kind of turn that around soon. Yeah, that Kevin Love, I remember Kevin Love and Blake Griffin kind of had a little, Back, I wouldn't call it a beef, but every time they played each other when Blake Griffin was on the Clippers, it was always a back and forth between those two. I remember it might I don't know if it was that same game you were talking about, but they just went back and forth and each of them had like 50 points. That was one of the more memorable games of the past decade or so for me. He had one. Uh, it was he went toe to toe with like Durant and Westbrook. I think Durant had like Durant and Westbrook both had like 40 points and Kevin Love had like 51. J.J. Barea had a triple double in that game. Just. Just an absurd game that they wound up eventually losing. <laughs> One of those moments where you're just like, heaven love is legit. I was I was all in on him. And I hope now he cut the last few years of his career, he can kind of find a better spot to, you know, maybe extend his career a little bit, take on a different role. I'm surprised he's still in Cleveland, likely it's just due to that contract, but it would be cool to see him playing, you know, big minutes on a contender again. Yeah, I think definitely next year he'll be a prime buyout candidate for the Cleveland Cavaliers, probably get bought out and end up move into a contender somewhere, maybe back with LeBron, who knows. Um, so we'll definitely see with Kevin Love. And you mentioned that 04 team. Um, you know, a lot of those nostalgic Timberwolves teams I think of with KG, Latrell Sprewell was there for a little while. Um, Troy Hudson was running the point. You know, that was a really gritty team. And I'd uh, encourage the younger users on the app. I know we have a few of them that are still in high school. Um, definitely look up some stories about KG because people talk about the Mamba mentality, but KG was actually, I think he's actually insane. He, he's an insane person. Um, just some of the things he says, and he's not playing a character at all. He is completely insane. 100%. That guy's nuts. You know, before every game, he just kind of headbutts the stanchion under the basket. That was just how he pumped himself up. I mean, we've heard all the trash talk stories. He was just, what a player. <laughs> he was so yeah. much fun. Yeah, I just remember he was on a podcast, I think, with Bill Simmons once, and they were talking about, you know, just some trips down memory lane, and he was telling some stories, and he just, he was getting so fired up. It was it was getting me fired up in the car just listening to him, and I wasn't, I wasn't even, I haven't played basketball in over a year now, so he, he's crazy, and I would encourage the younger listeners to look up some KG stories. And at the, as for the NBA overall, are there any big stories you're looking at right now? Anything catching your eye? I'm I'm fascinated with the Knicks, honestly. I really thought they were going to be like the worst team in the league. And I'm so happy I'm so wrong about that because I just think basketball is so much better when the Knicks are great. 
And I'm just, I'm really, it blows my mind that they looks like they won the Porzingis trade. And I obviously as a Timberwolves fan, I have PTSD from Tibbs. I can't believe that they're taking him so well. Everything's working out. Julius Randle looks like a star, like a legit star at this point. And I honestly just can't believe it. They've been so much fun to watch every night. They're, I find myself on League Pass tuning into them a little bit more often than some of these other teams. Yeah, I, w- I will definitely caution people, though, with the whole Tibbs thing. Um, we've definitely seen his first year in Minnesota. They did really well. They went to the playoffs. And then after that, it kind of dies out. So definitely enjoy it. Knicks fans, well, you can. But um, you never know. He might run R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle right into the ground. So, But definitely rooting for Tibbs. The NBA is definitely better as a whole. When the Knicks are better, it's just more fun for everybody. And if we get fans back in the garden, like at full capacity, it'll actually be insane come playoff time or next year if they're still contenders. As far as uh, players around the league, is there anybody that's catching your eye? Who's your MVP favorite right now? I say it's got to be Jokic. I mean, it's hard to – I think Embiid was in the lead for sure before the injury. Almost played a little too well without him. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it has to be Jokic at this point, just what he does for that team. And it's, I think the last, like, 20 games or so will be really telling how they do without Jamal Murray. If they can kind of, you know, keep the ship going, get like a three or four seed, five seed maybe, I think it has to be Jokic, just what he does for that team, how well he just makes everybody else better. It's really just unbelievable. I think it's – overall, I think it's awesome that, like, two centers are at the front of the P conversation. I do think Giannis still deserves to be in the mix, but I think the voter fatigue is a real thing, even though that's kind of a, you know – Kind of stupid that, you know, he's one back-to-back. We can't give him a third one, but I think he's right up there as well. Yeah, I don't think Giannis is really going to complain too much. I mean, at the end of his career, it's obviously going to look bad. If you look at the stats and he was just dominant and everybody's like, why didn't he win the MVP over everybody else? His stats are so much better and the Bucks had a good record. But, you know, I think the Bucks are kind of liking being out of the spotlight a little bit here. They get to just focus on themselves, focus on their rotations, and get ready for the playoffs. Jokic, definitely, he makes everybody on the team better, just like you said. You know, Michael Porter Jr., I think if he would have gone somewhere else, it could look a lot worse for him. Um, He could be, you know, in Jeremy Grant territory, putting up 20, 30 shots a game, but not really making any noise or um, winning any basketball games. So I think, like you said, Jokic is definitely good. Um, What do you think about the Brooklyn Nets so far? They're fascinating. I think I didn't think it would work as well as it has so far. I think like that's a huge testament to James Harden kind of just, you know, I think very early on it was clear he was like Kyrie, you're the shooting guard on the point guard. And then since then, it's just been off and running. Um, It seems like that team just, you know, functions well together. We haven't really seen, obviously, the ton of minutes from the big three together. I think they know that, you know, they're all so unselfish and they've all kind of played on teams with other superstars before and they kind of know how to make this work. So I don't think that they're super. I think they understand that it feels like some teams kind of don't, they assume they have like an on off switch and then like the Clippers last year, it feels like they don't know how to hit it because the playoffs come and then that switch maybe isn't there. But I think the Nets and probably the Lakers, are the only two teams you can really give the benefit of the doubt to in that department. I think they know they have an on switch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any team with LeBron James is going to have an on off switch. That's just the point in his career. He's on now. Um, I'm, I'm always scared of LeBron James if my team is going up against LeBron in the playoffs. I I don't care how old he is. He's always going to find a way to take over. So there's definitely an on-off switch. I think the Nets will find it, too. Maybe we'll get that Nets-Lakers finals matchup, and that'll be crazy. Uh, Before I let you go, though, 
let me get a hot take out of you. What's a hot take you have? It can be past or present for the NBA in general. Ooh, that's a good one. Right now? Screw it. We're going to go hot. Phoenix Suns are winning the West. Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul gets over the hump. I think it's the West is like just open enough. The fact that LeBron – and I, don't, I hate picking against LeBron. I usually – my logic is like just I'll pick LeBron until he proves us wrong. But I think now there's just enough of a window. DeAndre Aiden, I think, is the big X factor, and he's starting to really come into his own, I think, the past couple of weeks. I think they have just enough there. Their role players make sense. I think when it comes down to it, I love Utah, but I think them, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he's too much of their, like, 1A. Like, if you kind of take him out of the game a little bit, if you can maybe throw Bridges or Crowder at him, just neutralize him just enough. I'm not sure, like, in a huge playoff game when things slow down, where exactly their shots are going to come from. Like who else can really create offense for them? And I think Phoenix having Booker and Chris Paul maybe pushes them a little bit above Utah for me. So, you know, you want it hot, I give you hot. I think I think the Suns have enough. That is scalding given uh, Chris Paul's playoff record. Um, that is definitely a hot take, and we will take it here on the Halftime Community Podcast. Um, well, Justin, do you want to plug anything? You got anything to say? Any um, NBA burner accounts that you found on the app before I let you get out of here? We found a few, but we shut them down pretty quickly. You know, we, as we grow, more trolls will come in. So top priority shutting them down. Make sure they don't make everybody have a bad experience. But, yeah, nothing really to plug. If you haven't downloaded Halftime yet, we'd love to have you in there. Um, thank you so much for, like, building this podcast and getting the community involved. And, you know, it's been a true joy getting to know you guys and talk basketball with you guys and just, you know, help grow this thing alongside you guys. And I can't wait to see what the next few years bring us. For sure. And I got to ask you one more question before you get out of here. Can you confirm or deny if Kevin Durant has a burner account on the app? I don't know. I hope he does. I really do. Yeah, we'll add it to the list of KD burner accounts. We're going to find it. We'll we'll smoke him out. We'll smoke him out for you, and we'll get him out there in the public. Awesome. Well, thank you, Justin. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks so much. Be happy to join anytime you need me. Their only lead, the Timberwolves tonight, was at 2 to nothing, trying to win it here. Love! Got it! Oh my, oh my, oh my. Turn it up. Is that great basketball they're watching? What a great win for Minnesota. Well, that is going to do it for this episode, folks. Thank you for sticking through with me. I'm going to spare you the GOAT debate this week. I think that GOAT debate between MJ and LeBron is finally going to be settled whenever Space Jam 2 comes out. If Space Jam 2 is better than Space Jam 1, obviously LeBron is the GOAT. If Space Jam 1 still holds up as the quality superior Space Jam movie, then MJ will retain the GOAT crown. Until then, we really won't have a proper answer. But I thank you guys. I'll see you in the next episode.